Here we are again, Senior Pastor. Yes, Pastor Hall. Pleasant good morning to you. Pleasant good morning to you. It's, again, another lesson um, in the book of Isaiah uh, that it's a promise to us, a, a new world promised, a new world promised. And, you know, we're going to go through uh, three sections, and our outline is as follows, uh, the coming of the Messiah, Isaiah 61, verse 1 through 9. Um, invitation, accepted or rejected, and that's in the form of a question. And we're going to look at Isaiah 62, verses 10 through 12, and Isaiah 65, verses 1 through 12, as supporting scripture. And then finally, we're going to look at the everlasting joy for God's people, the everlasting joy for God's people. I can't wait to get to, to, to that segment because I think it's going to provide much hope for those that are listening. Um, and that's, we're going to look at Isaiah chapter uh, 65, verses 17 through 25. Now, what is the central truth? What are we going to be looking at? Well, we're going to realize that Jesus Christ will return to judge the nations and welcome the redeemed. We know him as the Messiah, but he's also going to take the form of a judge um, at some Amen. point. And we know he's a, a God of love, but he's also going to be a God of judgment and justice. Again, to judge the nations and welcome the redeemed. The psalmist says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now in Second Peter 3 verse 13, it says, we according to his promise, this is what Peter wrote, we according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. In the chapters we study in this lesson, Isaiah presents the Messiah in a variety of roles. First, he is seen as the redeemer through his finished work of redemption Salvation is available to all who believe. Being that he is the Lamb of God, who was slain from the foundation of the world, he bore our sins in his body as he died on the cross. That was the ultimate sacrifice, his death. Not only is he the Lamb of God, but he is also the Lion of the tribe of Judah, who will come back to earth, not as the suffering servant, but as the King of kings and Lord of lords. He will come in power, glory, and judgment. Jude, uh, well, verse 14 and 15 says, Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands, ten thousands of his saints, to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So there is coming a, a time when there will be a judgment that is executed. He is coming to execute judgment, not on some, but on all. The Messiah is also seen as the rewarder of those who faithfully 
follow him. So if you are faithfully following God, you don't have to worry about this judgment per se, right? The, the Messiah, the Lord, is going to reward you for your faithfulness in following him. In his role as the rewarder, he will make a distinction between the sheep and the goats, the good and the bad, and will reward all according to their work. So he's going to be the final arbiter. He's going to be the final judge. He is also going to be the jury in carrying out um, these rewards. Then the Messiah is seen as the Prince of Peace before his death and resurrection. Jesus promised his disciples by saying, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Every believer is promised that peace. When he sets up his millennial kingdom, Jesus will bring peace to the earth in a measure it has not experienced since the Garden of Eden. And of course, we know that there are several translations about when Jesus is coming, whether it's a premillennial or postmillennial or amillennial. We are not really concerned about that. We as believers just need to make sure that we are followers of Christ and that we are faithfully following him, regardless of when he's coming, whether it's before the millennial, after the millennial, don't, don't, don't even worry about that. That's not our concern. Our concern is to make it into heaven. That's our main concern. We need to make it into heaven. And in order to do so, we must faithfully follow Jesus Christ and his teachings. So we're going to start with the coming of the Messiah. And Senior Pastor, you want to go ahead and lead us into that? Yes, Pastor Juan. I like um, the writer had a quote here which said, I want to worship and serve him and be involved in kingdom work forever. Let me read that again. I want to worship and serve him and be involved in kingdom work forever. Because that's what the promise is going to be all about. I have said over and over again, it's not about how many songs that you write, how well you can play an instrument, how much messages you preach, etc., etc., because that's what we are supposed to do. But I was hungry. You feed me. I was naked, and you clothed me, etc., etc., and Pastor, I find these lessons to be very inspirational, especially this one today. Very inspirational, very exciting, very hopeful. If only in this life we have hope, we would be men most miserable. miserable. Those who are losing hope, this message, this new world promise should give you hope today. There are so much these lessons. That's why sometimes the messages are a bit lengthy because there's so much to cover. And as Pastor always said, we won't be able to cover it line for line or verse for verse today because there's so much to it. But I hope that we will chew on it today and that our hearts 
well being blessed. I find it very enlightening. And when you hear about the birth of a new born baby or the coming of some major activity, activity, it excites you. And here today we should be excited. The Messiah, our Savior, is coming. The coming of the Messiah, the promised one. And here, Isaiah picks up the theme in Isaiah 61, and he talks about the anointed message. Verse 1, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Very important, the Spirit of the Lord God. That's what Isaiah said about Jesus. That's what Jesus was saying to Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord, hath anointed me to preach. And note that. The Lord hath anointed me to preach. Not the pastor, not somebody else, but the anointing comes through the Holy Ghost, from the Holy Ghost through the Lord. He hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. And that's what all preachers and all ministers and all Christians are supposed to do, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to them that are bound, whom the church loose on earth is loose in heaven. Amen. And the opening of prison to them that are bound, to proclaim, verse 2, the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort, there are a lot of people who need comfort at this time. There are a lot of people with the pandemic. There are a lot of people with all kinds of man of diseases. There are a lot of people crying over loved ones and over their situation. But to comfort all that mourn, verse 3, to appoint Unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Uh, the Lord allowed Isaiah to look down the corridor of time and see the coming of the Messiah. I wish we could get a glimpse of that as we go through the lesson today. I wish all Christians could look down the corridor of time and see the coming of the Messiah. Not just so much about we are excited about the new president that will have his inauguration on Wednesday. But that's not what it's all about. It's about Jesus that is coming again. He came the first time and we miss him. But he's coming again. Oh, I wish we could have eyes to see. Anointed eyes. Blessed eyes. Heavenly eyes to see. Oh, Jesus said what I've kept from the wise and prudent, I reveal to the babe and suckling. I wish we could get a revelation today of his coming. That was for us on 
to great the work that will spur us on to serve him without fear. That will spur us on to know that the art of the battle is sweet is going to be the victory. At his first coming, Christ came to bring good news to the poor who made up the large number of those who followed him. He presented a joyful message to those who bore the oppression of poverty. He also had a message of healing for the brokenhearted. If you are broken in heart today, he wants to mend your broken heart. He wants to give you a message of healing. I speak healing to that broken heart today. Whether it be a broken marriage, whether it be a broken home, whether it be uh, whatever it is, I want to bring healing to you today in the name of Jesus. Can I tell you that it will be a powerful medicine that the gospel is furthermore. The Messiah came not only to bore the oppression of poverty, not only to bring a message of healing, but to bring deliverance to those who are held under the captivity of sin and facing the wrath of God. There is good news for you today. Oh, yes, my friends, he wants to bring you deliverance. Whatever your situation is, deliverance is come today. Oh, look up for your redemption. Draw it nigh. Oh, praise God. These wonderful works were accomplished by the preaching of the gospel under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. When Jesus quoted this passage in Luke 4, 8 to 19, he stopped in the middle of Isaiah 61, 2. And what we are talking about today was when Jesus, after he was baptized by John the Baptist, Oh, coming straight out of the water, the heavens were open, and the voice from heaven descended like a dove, which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. And I might be taking a side road here, but I think it's necessary. After that, he was led up by the Spirit to be tempted in the wilderness. Now, you ask today, why was Jesus tempted by Satan in the rough? Judean wilderness before returning to his Barwood home. Why was it necessary for Jesus to be tempted? First, temptation is part of the human experience. For Jesus to be fully human, for him to understand us completely, he had to face temptation. Second, Jesus had to undo Adam's work. Adam, though created perfect, gave in to temptation and passed sin onto the old human race. Jesus, by contrast, resisted Satan. His victory over Satan offered salvation to all of Adam's descendants. Can I tell you today, Satan may tempt us to doubt Christ's true identity. He knows that once we begin to question whether or not Jesus is God, it is far easier to get us to 
do what he wants. Times of questioning can help us to sort out our beliefs and strengthen our faith. But those times can also be dangerous. If you are dealing with doubt, be aware that you are especially vulnerable to temptation. Even as you search for answers, you need to protect yourself by meditating on the unshakable truths of God's word. His words are truth, my friend. Sometimes what we are tempted to do isn't wrong in itself. Turning a stone into bread wasn't necessary bad. The sin was not in the act, but in the reason behind it. Was there a reason to stone to turn stone into bread? No. Jesus said, oh, you must only obey God. Amen. We don't have to take shortcuts to solve Jesus' immediate problem at the expense of his long-range goal. To seek comfort at the sacrifice of his disciples, Satan often works that way, persuading us to take action even right action for the wrong reason or at the wrong time. The fact that something is not wrong in itself does not mean that it is good for you at a given time. Many people sinning by attempting to fulfill legitimate desires outside of God's will or ahead of his timetable. First, ask. Is the Holy Spirit leading me to do this? Or is Satan trying to get me off this track? Let me say that again. First, ask yourself, is the Holy Spirit leading me to do this? Or is Satan trying to get me off track? You must ask yourself always, what would Jesus do? When you're faced with situation, when you're faced with um, temptation, what would Jesus do? Often we are tempted not through our weaknesses, but through our strength. The devil tempted Jesus when he was strong. But Jesus, although Jesus had power over stones, the kingdoms of the world, and even angels, and Satan wanted him to use that power without regard for his mission. When we give in to the devil and wrongly use our strength, we become proud and self-reliant. Trusting in our own powers, we feel little need of God. So to avoid this trap, we must realize that all our strength are God's gift to us, and we must dedicate ourselves, those strengths, to his service. Oh, yes, where we focus, our focus must turn to his second coming. His message for the second advent is vengeance and comfort. One facet of his return will be to take vengeance on unbelievers who have been enemies of the church, principally upon Satan and his cohorts. But there is another side to his second coming. He will bring comfort to all who mourn in his wealth. Hear me, sunshine. He will bring comfort 
to all who mourn in Israel or in Zion. You might be mourning now, but he will bring comfort to you. He will bestow a crown of beauty for ashes. Turn their sighing into singing. Praise God. Turn their musing into music. Turn sadness into gladness and all tears into triumph. Oh, yes, he will wipe away all tears from our eyes. Oh, we sing the good old song, tears will never stain the street of the city. No wreath of death on my mansion's door. Teardrops, I repeat, teardrops aren't welcome beyond the gates of glory because the heart will never break anymore. We can rejoice in that fact that all tears will be turned into triumph. Oh, praise the Lord and hear what the Lord said to those of us who endure that we will become priesthood of believers. Isaiah 6, 1, 4 to 7. But he shall name the priest of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. He shall eat the riches of the Gentiles and in their glory shall he boast yourself Oh, there is a reward, my friend. The mourners of verse 3 will become the repair expert of verse 4. John Calvin observed, when the inhabitants of any city scattered in all directions have been absent for a long time, there can be no hope of rebuilding it. But this will not be the case during the millennial reign of Christ. During that period, Israel will rebuild the ruined cities and the people will watch them rise again. Can I tell you that we will rise again? Oh, yes, my friend. The Lord promises people that one day they shall be unto him a kingdom of priests, an holy nation. Exodus 19, verse 6 says, All God's people will become priests and ministers and each would have direct access to the Lord. Now believers are encouraged and here is the encouragement whatever it is to come boldly unto the throne of grace with no human intermediary. There God's people will obtain mercy. And Paul said in Hebrews verse 16 that we will find grace to help in time of need. As I said, said in, instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. An everlasting joy will be yours. Can I say that again? Everlasting joy will be yours. You might be crying now. You might be mourning. But everlasting joy will be yours oh yes and jesus said that we will have an everlasting covenant that's what isaiah brought out in 61 verse 8 and 9 not only will we be a priesthood of believers but we will be to him 
an everlasting covenant. God loves to see his children living right and doing his will in this world. Oh, yes, we can do it. It's hard, but we can do it. We can live right. We can do his will in this world. He wants us to follow Jesus' admonition. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If we will embrace the divine offer of salvation, the Lord says he will enter into an everlasting covenant with us. He will be our God who befriends us and defends us. On the other hand, the Lord abhors, the Lord hates wrongdoing. Anything gotten by some wrong means, even if it is acquired for purpose of offering a sacrifice, is displeasing in his sight. But he is pleased. Hear me, sunshine. He is pleased if we will follow him and perform good works for good ends. The Lord wants us to perform good works to a good end. He will come to love the truth. We will come to love the truth. And the Lord will reward us for our faithfulness. The Lord will reward us for our faithfulness. And we shall be an everlasting covenant to the Lord. Oh, we will be a priesthood of believers. And we will become an everlasting covenant to him. Aren't you stirred by this message today? Aren't you happy today what the Lord is saying? Aren't you glad about this anointed message, what he has given unto you? And we must preach it in season and out of season. Praise the Lord. He gave an invitation that is accepted are rejected. The Redeemer. Go ahead, Pastor Ho. Amen. And we know that our Redeemer lives. And there is an invitation. And the question is, are you going to accept it or are you going to reject it? Let's look at what Isaiah said when he talked about the Redeemer. It says here, go through, go through the gates, prepare you the way of the, the people. Cast up, cast up the highway, gather out the stones, lift up a standard for the people. Verse 11, behold, the Lord hath proclaimed unto the end of the world. Say ye to the daughter of Zion, behold, thy salvation cometh. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. And they shall call them the holy the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, and thou shalt be called, sought out, a city not forgiven. What a change in status Jerusalem and the nation of Israel will, will enjoy when the Messiah comes. See, that's what we are waiting on, the coming of the Messiah. There is going to be a change Israel experienced it, and now we are waiting for the same joy that Israel experienced when Christ returned. 
Instead of a place no one sought after, this place shall be called sought out. Jerusalem will be known as a city no longer forsaken. The nations of the world will recognize our inhabitants as the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. All believers fall into this category of the holy and redeemed. And I often hear people say, well, you know, I, I, have, to, I have to get things right first before I come to church. I have to get things right first before, you know, I, I turn my life over to the Lord. No, 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 no. Absolutely the wrong way to look at it. What we need to do is give everything to God. All our insufficiencies, all our sin, all our thoughts, all, everything that we are, are, are contemplating, everything that we are thinking about, all our errors, all our ways, we need to give it unto the Lord because then we fall in the category of holy and redeemed. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and should be used to glorify God. Now, Eugene Peterson said, God made us redeems us, provides for us. The natural, honest, healthy, logical response to that is praise to God. And, you know, people think that praise is something uh, that you have to work up to. When you're praising someone, you're, you're saying, hey, this person did so much for me. I just want to thank them. It, 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 it is born out, this, this praise that we need to have for God is birthed out of a thankful heart. Eugene Peterson continues to say, when we praise, we are functioning at the center. We are in touch with the basic core reality of our being. Now as we move on, Isaiah 65 verse 1 through 7 talks about obstinate people. Now what is obstinate? Obstinate basically is uh, refusing to change your opinion or direction despite being persuaded or caution to do so, right? When we talk about Jesus is coming back again, so you need to get your, your, your heart right with God. You, you need to confess your sins. You need to turn over your life to the Lord. That is, that, that is what we're trying to do. We're trying to persuade you, and, and, and not only to persuade you, but to caution you. But we find here in Israel that they were obstinate people, people that refused to change, people that refused right, to change their direction. And verse 1 of, of chapter 65 says, I am sought of them that ask not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. I said, behold me, behold me, unto a nation that was not called by my name. See here, the Lord extended his love to Israel in so many ways, as he is extending to us his love. But they rejected his pleas. In the face of that rejection, the Lord called out to a people who had not sought him and offered the joy of salvation to them. The Lord said, these people were a stench and an acrid smell, an unpleasant smell to him. He would call them into judgment and pay them back for their idolatrous worship and arrogant attitude. And as we've been saying over the past couple of weeks, there is a consequence to our actions. There is a consequence to the decision 
to not follow God. The Lord is still reaching out, though. He's still reaching out to you. He's still reaching out to me. He's still reaching out to the lost, to lost people with an earnest appeal to hear his voice and respond to his call. Salvation awaits us. Salvation awaits those who will heed his call and believe on his son. What must I do to be saved? Is still a valid question. And the answer is the same as it was given by the Apostle Paul. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I know it's kind of odd that we're here on a line and we're listening to two individuals express the love of God through words. But here, the question still remains. What must you do? What must I do to be saved? And the, the answer is still the same. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Isaiah 65, verse 8 through 12. Verse 11 and 12 says, But ye are they that forsake the Lord, that forget my holy mountain. What a tragedy. They forsook the Lord and forgot his holy mountain that prepare a table for that troop and that furnish the drink offering unto that number. Therefore will I number you to the sword and ye shall all bow down to the slaughter. This is his judgment being spread about. Because when I called, ye did not answer. When I spake, ye did not hear. But did evil before mine eyes and did choose that wherein I delighted not. Friends, there's a consequence. There is a judgment coming. And he's saying, listen, I called. I called you by name and you didn't answer. I was speaking to you and you did not hear. You chose to ignore me. And you continued doing evil before the Lord. But it says the judgment to come was pronounced on the entire nation. Amen. But the faithful will be spared. The message is that among the Israelites, some are good while others are bad. And we see this in our society. There are people that are good and there are those that are bad. Some are genuine, but others are pretenders. The issue with us in our society is that we cannot distinguish between those that are genuine and those that are pretenders. We have a lot of pretenders. In the church, forget the world. In the church, some are genuine, but others are pretenders. The Lord will deal with each accordingly. This is the warning. This is the judgment that is going to be spewed out. The Lord will deal with each accordingly. The day is coming when he will separate the true and the false forever. Now listen, I must admit that as a pastor, 
it can be very difficult to persuade someone of their wrongdoing. At times, it can be very frustrating to convince someone of the realness of sin, to convince someone of the realness of, of, of Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. Sometimes it is hard to convince people that there is a heaven or a hell. I have even heard Christians give up in aggravation when trying to share the gospel. There are so many lies camouflaged as truth today that it can be impossible at times to get the truth out. But the day is coming when God will separate the truth from the lie. There is a day coming. This is the warning. We can't say it any stronger than we are right now. There is a day coming when he will separate the right from the wrong forever. In the great day of judgment, those who walked in disobedience will be reminded of how they forsook the Lord and neglected his house. Now listen, you can go to different churches and you're not going to, you're not going to hear this. You're going to be here, oh, God is a God of love. God will take care of you. God will take care of your problems. And yes, he has the ability to do so. But there is a request that we must follow him. It's not, oh, when I'm in trouble, then I know how to pray. Oh, when I'm in trouble, that's when I go to God. No. We must follow the Lord. We must hear him when he calls. We must answer him when he calls. We must hear him when he speaks. We must stop doing evil before his eyes. And we don't have to spell it out. There are many of us that have been in the church forever, forever. We know what is right from wrong. God is saying to Israel as he's saying to us, stop it. Stop doing evil. Because I don't want you to be led astray. I don't want to have to pass judgment on you. Because I love you. And I care so much for you. Now the Lord said because of their wayward living and insistence on following a sinful lifestyle, they would die by the sword. I'm encouraging each and every one of you. Stop sinning. Be faithful unto God. Stop doing evil before the Lord. Yes, you're going to slip. In fact, there are times when you may even fall. But I beckon unto you. Get back up again. Get back up again, because there is an everlasting joy that is awaiting for God's people. Senior Pastor. Praise the Lord. I hope that they are stirred as we are, Pastor Ho, with this beautiful lesson. And I think the next three bullet points will sum up this message, will bring it home. And 
So many promises have been made. And here is the crux of the matter. Everlasting joy is awaiting God's people. Oh, you have cried so much. We have been through so much. But God is going to turn it around. Oh, I feel like I want to say this again. We have been through so much. And since we have come together over these past 10 years and um, as a sunshine ministry, we have been through so much. But oh, the hope is God is going to turn it around. Can you feel him turning it around already? Through the pandemic, he's going to turn it around. Oh, yes, my friends. To all that we have been through, to how much we have been tempted and tried. Somebody said tempted and tried. We're all made to wonder why it should be thus all the day long while there are others living about us, never molested, though in the wrong. But cheer, my brother, cheer. Oh, live in the sunshine. We'll understand it in the sweet by and by. And here's the promise that he made, that there will be, a, there will be new heaven and new hurt. Isaiah 65, 17 to 19. For, behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. But verse 18, but he, but be he glad and rejoice. Be he glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem our rejoicing and her people our joy. And I, God, will rejoice in Jerusalem. And joy in my people. And the voice of weeping. Oh, did you cry last week or last year? Did you cry in 2020? Did you weep in 2020? But, oh, you might have some more weeping to do. But the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her. Nor the voice of crying. And oh, yes, we talk about that, that God will wipe away all tears from our eyes. You might have to cry some more, but you have hope this morning. In the book of Revelation, John saw something similar to the prophecy given to Isaiah. He said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. And that jumped out at me. There was no more sea, which means there will be no more separation. Amen. There will be no America, no Canada, no Australia, no Russia. There will be no more sea, no more separation. The creative power of God will once again come to bear upon the earth, recreating both heaven and earth in a more righteous and glorious fashion. This reflection in John's vision 
of what Isaiah has prophesied hundreds of years before gives us both Old and New Testament proof of what lies ahead. Aren't you excited? In Isaiah 65, 17, created from the Hebrew word bara, it can refer to the act of renovating something already in existence in a totally new condition. New heaven and new earth. This new creation of Jerusalem will be so wonderful that the old city of the past will not be remembered. The new Jerusalem will be a city of rejoicing. Can I say that again? The new Jerusalem, where you and I will be, will be a city of rejoicing. There is little wonder the people who inhabit that righteous city will rejoice because of the redemption that has brought them there. Oh, my friend, can you stop and reflect on the redemptive work of Christ? He will make all things new. Jerusalem will be alive, teeming with the sound of rejoicing from the saints who have come to populate her street. Singing will be heard from every street and avenue. Don't you want to be there? Singing will be heard from every street and avenue. Laughter will be her music. Oh, you have been crying for a long time, but laughter will be her music. The music will not be crying music, but it will be laughing music. Three times in verse 17 and 18, God says, I create. This reminds us that the primary focus of Jerusalem's residence will be on the Creator, not on His new creation. They will rejoice in the blessings while praising the one who blesses. Let me say that again. They will rejoice. You and I will rejoice in the blessings while praising the one who blesses, while praising our Lord and Savior, while praising Jesus, while giving honor to Him, joining the four and twenty elders, praising Him, falling down before the throne, and giving Him praise, bringing forth the royal diadem, and crown him Lord of all. Oh, I feel so stirred up today. The joy of that city will not be simply be a joy of her inhabitants. God will rejoice with his people as well. Oh, yes, in a powerful fellowship, his children will be a joy to the Lord as he is a joy to them. His delight will be in the people. He has redeemed and the redeem of the Lord will delight in them. Gray Barnahouse said, the atmosphere of the believing church should be like that of the parents whose son at the war front will be home any day. Every time the doorbell or telephone rings, they think it might be him coming home. That was the atmosphere in the early church. The thought of Christ's coming should be before us like the returning of a son. Oh, yes, we must have expectation. We must have a longing. Oh, we sing, I have a longing to go. There must be anticipation. Each day, we must wake up expecting. Oh, yes, when we go to bed, we must expect 
that we might not wake up the next day in this world, but we will wake up in the new Jerusalem. Brother Campbell likes to sing, there is coming a day. And my friend, we must have expectation of that day when our Lord will come back. That's why we serve him. That's why we work so hard. That's why we teach so hard. That's why, <coughs> sorry, we preach so hard. The days of God's people. Verse 21 of Isaiah 65 said, And they shall build houses and inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree are, the days of my people, mine elect, shall long enjoy the work of their hands. All of life will be transformed into God's new creation. Lifespan will be extended. Longevity will be restored. Those who walk uprightly before the Lord will live to a ripe old age. Never again will babies die when they are just a few days old. Never again will people die before they have lived a full life. Those who live to be 100 years old will be regarded as mere children. Oh, yes, in a land where we'll never go old, never grow old. Anyone who does not live to be 100 will be considered as under a curse. During this era, people will reap the benefits of their labor. The houses they build, they will occupy. Others will not take their homes from them. Oh, they will not foreclose on your house anymore because you have a mansion that is built for you. You're storing that in the storehouse in heaven. Others will not take their home from them. They will enjoy the fruits of their field. Others will not steal their produce. The prophet says the days of God's faithful people will be as the days of the tree. That is to say, they should enjoy, endure as long as the tree planted them. Their lives will be healthy, hearty, and long-lasting. The psalmist David wrote, Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall sing, still bring forth fruit in old age. Psalm chapter 1. Oh, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But oh, they shall delight in the law of the Lord. Their leaves shall not wither, and whatsoever they do it shall prosper. Oh, yes, my friend, that you and I, we will have longevity in the name of the Lord. Oh, I, I encourage you this morning. I exhort you this morning to anticipate Christ's glorious return. And what will happen? It will be a world at peace. And the future will be unveiled. Take it away, Pastor Ho, and take us home. Pastor Ho. Amen, amen. There will be a world at peace. And uh, verse 23 through 25. 
says, they shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth children for trouble. For they shall be the descendants of the blessed of the Lord, and their offspring with them. Verse 24 says, it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. And and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. That's what we have to look forward to. The righteous will not labor in vain. There are many of us that work hard here. We work and we toil in labor for someone else just to get the little scraps so that we can feed our children, just to get the little scraps so that we can uh, get by. But the righteous will not labor in vain. They and their children will be blessed by the Lord. The blessing that rested on the parents will also be extended to the children. There will be no generational curses there. What a beautiful revelation we have in, in chapter 65, verse 24. The Lord knows that what we are going to ask before we utter the words. He will respond before we petition him and hear while we are still speaking. During the reign of Christ on, on the earth, animosity and hostility will be removed. We've seen it. We saw it last week. We, we saw it over the span of maybe eight to nine months. There was looting and carrying on in the streets. But there will be no animosity. There will be no hostility. Animosity and hostility will be removed. The Prince of Peace, as spoken of in Isaiah 9, verse 6, will bring perfect peace. During this time, even the serpent will harm no one. Harmony and safety will prevail. For the righteous, a glorious period is coming. For the unrighteous, divine punishment is lurking. So the question we ask is, will you be there? Will you be there? After a period of unparalleled peace, we understand that Satan and his forces will be unleashed on the earth to make war against the Savior. They will be summarily defeated and confined to unending suffering. Unbelievers will stand before the great white throne judgment and face their final destiny. This will be followed by the creating of a new heaven and a new earth where believers will enter into an eternal state with the Lord. I want to be there. I want to experience that which God has promised. The question is, are we all ready? That's a question that I've been hearing since I was a a, a young child. I didn't even understand it at the time. We'd always end off our services with an altar call. And the preacher or the minister would always ask the question, are you ready? Are you ready to meet the Lord when he comes? Are you ready? 
Are you ready? Are you ready? And that's a prevailing question that is asked to all of us today. Are you ready to meet the Lord when he comes? My prayer is that each and every one that is listening will be ready to meet the Lord when he comes. I don't want to face an eternal judgment, an eternal destiny where hell is my portion. I want to be in that new heaven. I want to be in that new earth. Come on with me. Come on with us. Let us all make it together so that we can bask in the joy that awaits us. Senior Pastor, if you can, close us out. All right, let's bow our heads, everybody. And let's take this method seriously today. I encourage those who have not driven your stakes deep in the Lord that you will do so today. There are deeper depths and higher heights for us to go. In the song, writer said, deeper, deeper in the love of Jesus. Daily, let me go. And we want to go deeper in him today. So if you're saved and only are saved, if you have one foot in the door and one foot outside, I encourage you to bring both feet in. For those who have not yet given him a place in your life, I think we have given you the seriousness of not being saved, and I think we have given you the glory of those and the joy that awaits us if we know him as our Lord and Savior and the peace that he will give unto you. Bow your heads today and let's pray. And I hope that you will pray this prayer today. Ask the Lord to come into your life. Father, we glorify you today. We praise you. We thank you for the anointing that you have given to us today. We have given bread to your children. Oh, God, we have broken the bread and many have feasted. Some might not understand, but we pray that through the Holy Spirit today, you will open up their understanding to that which you have said unto us today. Thank you for the assurance. Thank you for the expectation. Thank you for the longing. Thank you for the anticipation. Thank you for the joy that we have, that when this life on earth is over, we shall have another land in view. Thank you, Lord. We know you're coming back. And we rest assured in your words today that as you said in St. John chapter 14, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to pay every man according as their work shall be. Oh, God, thank you for the anticipation of Revelation Chapter 20, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as their work shall be. Help us to work works of righteousness. Help us to be like the trees planted by the rivers of water. Help us, Lord, not to give up, not to be weary in well-doing. We see what's happening in this world. 
But, O oh God, we ask you that you will help us and help that which we have committed unto you against that day. O oh God, that we will hold on to the end. We want to enjoy the joys that is awaiting us. We want to enjoy the glory that is awaiting us. Oh God, and so we ask you today, those who are saved, help us, Lord, that, oh God, we will turn things around, turn our hearts to you, turn our minds to you, turn our intention to you, turn our expectation to you. Many have expectation, but it's not about you. But Lord, we pray that our longing will be to you today. Our anticipation, our expectation will be to you today. For those who are not saved, oh God, help them to realize that in times like this, we need a Savior. In times like these, we need an anchor. And we need to be very sure that our anchor holds and grips the solid rock. Oh, God, you died to bring peace. You died to save us. You died to rescue us. Oh, God, and I pray today that as we preach your word, help us to rescue the perishing, to care for the dying, to snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. Oh, help us, Lord, to realize today there is coming a day when no heartache shall come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye, but all will be peace forevermore and that happy golden shore. What a day, a glorious day that will be. What else can we say today more than preach the gospel? Oh, for the preaching of the gospel will soon be over. Soon the marketplace will be empty. Soon there'll be no more traffic in the street. Oh, God, and you will come and you will take your children home and you will dry up all the tears and wipe away all the tears from our eyes. We rejoice in that today. Help us not to be weary in well-doing. Bless everyone today. Oh, God, we realize that we are on a very treacherous week. A week, oh, God, when we have a new president that will be sworn in. Oh, and the prediction is that some things might not be good. But in the name of Jesus, we take authority right now over every situation. We take authority over every evil forces. We take authority over everything that would befall your people. You alone deserve the praise. And while we are doing that, while we are swearing in a new president, we pray that you will bring them to the realization that they need God to direct them. They need you, Lord, to help them in their planning. Hear us today as we pray. We pray for the nation. We pray for the outgoing president. We pray for the incoming president and his cabinet. We pray for everyone. We pray for the evil men. We pray for the seducers. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, we pray that your spirit will take charge of Washington, D.C., and all the state capitals, and all the governors, 
and everybody in the name of Jesus, we pray today, oh God, with the church in session right now, all over the globe, we pray today that you will have preeminence over everything. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We speak it and we pronounce it and we pronounce it done in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.